37 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 9 continues, The glory of his present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty, and in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Pleasure yourself in the body, but offer yourself up as a true offering to God. Lord, as these folks bring their offerings, we are so grateful for that and all the many blessings you've given to us. What a wonderful life we have here, Lord, and we thank you for all of it and each and every one. Jesus, bless these gifts that are given in Jesus' name. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we just give you so much praise and thanksgiving for the wonderful gifts of life. For what angels long for for centuries, we have before us in truth your coming to the earth and why you did it and how you did it. And Lord, it's so marvelous. And we just give you thanks and praise for that, Lord. And we have so many great things to thank you for, for this country that was founded by Christian leaders who wanted to use the principles that were found in the scriptures. Even the divisions of government and even the Constitution ring out with the truths of scripture, and we give you praise for that. And Father, we pray for the ones that are now leading us, Lord, that they will hear your voice and hear what needs to be done and that they will do what is right. We pray, Father God, too, for... Um, those who are protecting us in the military and overseas and also the ones that are here in our community that are protecting us. Police, fire, EMS, they're all there at which dial of three numbers and they are there as strangers to pick us up and bring healing to us or whatever is needed. We give you praise for that. And Father God, we pray also for our congregation in its future and the challenges that are ahead of us and for the board as they make decisions and as we go forward in our journey, Lord. We thank you for the privilege that we have and for uh, the families that we minister to. We pray especially today, too, for Lucille and for Kay, for Howard, for Don Gross, who had a knee uh, replacement this week, just bring healing to him. We pray also, too, Father God, for the, uh, those that we know that are suffering in loss and loved ones this year, and especially as closing on Christmas, a new holiday, the first time they've been without their loved one, just Lift them up and give them strength. We pray for our daughter, Amber, who's struggling with a severe health and emotional issues, Lord. We pray for also, too, those who are struggling with addictions. We think of Ryan and we think of Jordan 
We think of Dave, we think of Eric and Fariki and Mitch, all these who are battling their addictions, Lord, and many others in our community that we know. And Lord God, too, we pray for um, others that um, have not had the opportunity, Lord, um, to be able to be free from uh, some of the emotional issues that they deal with or for marriages that are bound up and some are locked in unforgiveness, some are locked uh, because of a person's inability to feel or care for, and yet they're, they, they're just stuck, Lord. I pray that you unleash that, and that, Lord, that they can see that, Christ, you can set them free. And, Father God, I pray also, too, Lord, for um, <clears throat> a, a nephew that I have right now whose eyes, grandnephew that's having some problems with his eyes. I pray also for a little baby ward who has to have heart surgery, who's got complications. And I pray for a friend, Kathy, who uh, found a spot, Lord. I just pray that everything will go well and that healing will come to her. I pray also for John Osterhorn and for the spot on his uh, lung, Father, that, that everything will work out with that. And now, Father, as we come to your word, Lord, speak to us. As your children, we want to hear what you have to say, Christ. And that we can use this in practical applications in our life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there's a time in history where truth was very important. A lot of people went after truth. In fact, philosophy was relegated as people searching for the truth. But today we find that philosophers more question truth and even wonder if there's an existence of truth. A lot of them wonder if there's an absolute truth. And it's... One of the things people wonder if there's even any certainty at all. In fact, Stephen Colbert, one of the nighttime celebrities who jokes about truthiness, which they know is the basically not true, but what people sense or feel, and they're saying that that's truth. Well, I wish some of these people, too, who are relative, they think of relativity, that everything's relative, there's no truth. I would like them to ask me, could you give me directions to Oklahoma City? I'd say, sure. Now take I-35 north and east, and that'll get you Oklahoma City. And three hours later, when they discover they're in Kansas City, they'd be mad at me. And I would say, well, how could you be mad at me and be complaining? Because I thought you said truth is relative. And that it makes no sense. Nothing is really right and nothing is really wrong. Recently, a few years ago, in fact, Chuck Colson had the Barner's survey. And they found out that in America, 71% of the people in America do not believe in absolute truth. That everything's relative. For Christians, evangelicals, 40%. It's astounding. Even a youth pastor was asked, do you believe in absolute truth? He said, oh, no, I don't believe in that. We're living in a crisis of truth. And if there's not a passage that speaks more about that than this passage today is by John. Because what John tells us is very important. Truth does matter. Jesus says the truth does matter, and there's absolute truth. Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you're really my disciples in John 8. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we know civilizations stand and fall of knowing and not knowing the truth. Stand and fall because they don't have any ethical principles, and they fall. And as individuals, we know that. Well, we even know that in the movie theaters, we remember Jack Nicholson as Colonel Nathan R. Jessup in A Few Good Men, where he declared that people can't handle the truth. That's true today. People don't want to hear the truth. They will listen to all kinds of stuff and be confused. Mother Teresa, at a prayer breakfast, with all these dignitaries from Washington, D.C., that the prayer director in Washington, D.C., she was asked and invited as the guest speaker. And one of the things she said to the lawmakers of our nation is how can you ask people not to murder each other when you're allowing children to be murdered in their mother's wombs? A similar story. Woman 
who was a New York, New York town clerk, handed in her resignation because of her moral conscience. Two men came to her to get a marriage license. And she said, I could not in good conscience do that. And Mario and Andrew Como, the New York governor at the time, he said, the law is the law. And when you enforce the laws of the state, you don't get to pick and choose. And she said, I do. She said, and I choose to obey God rather than men. And I'm quitting. You see, the truth is not commonly just commonly accepted wisdom. Truth is not a social construct. Truth is transcendent, the Bible says. And there are to be standards men and women hold to. Immanuel Kant, great philosopher, said, Two things fill your mind with ever new and increasing wonder and awe. The starry heavens above and the moral law within your heart. And today, John wants his church and us, the church, in America, to be able to be the people of the truth. You know, God judges everyone. And people say, well, how can God judge the pygmies? They don't know the Ten Commandments in Africa. No, they don't. But God has put law in our hearts. And that when we break those laws that we know are not right, we are breaking the law. And men will be basically, the pygmies in Africa, for instance, will be judged not by the laws that we know, but the law that's within their heart, and God will judge them, and rightly so, because they know it's wrong. John today comes to us and wants us to see that, because you see, law that God gives in our heart is truth, and that truth is doable, and it keeps us from being savages. Look at the lawlessness in our country this past year that we have seen, because people didn't defy the law. Well, John comes to us today. In this passage, and he knows the Gnostics are trying to infiltrate. Now, it's interesting that this book that we're going to read today, it's only 13 verses, is one of the most ignored books in the Bible. First John is usually read, but Second John and Third John and Jude are usually skipped by people. They're very rarely pe- preached. But what we have here, John is giving us a great message that we belong to, and the world needs to hear today about truth. And the balance between truth and love. Because love right now is the emphasis of our society. And it gets so out of whack and distorted that it's destroying our culture. Because you cannot truly love without having truth. If you don't have truth as a solid backing of your love, it will dissipate. It will fall apart. And these 13 verses or 245 Greek words and 301 English words, are here to help us. John is a superintendent. He's 90 years old plus. And listen to what he says. He says, you and I are purveyors of the truth. We're the ones who deal out the truth in society. If the church doesn't do it, there are not many people who are going to do it. They're going to go after their own selfish means. But the truth from God comes from us. And John wants the church here today. And notice how he addresses it. He says, the elder, which he's addressing himself, to the elect lady, which is the church, and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because the truth that abides in us and will be with us is forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and in love. John continues to hammer about the truth. And the reason is because he knows the truth holds the church together. He knows the truth sets us free. And if allowing falsehood to come into the church, we will diminish the truth. And we're diminishing God's view when we don't allow the truth to be set us free. And here in this gospel, in this epistle, John is telling the false teachers, there's no room for you in the church. 
And that he amplifies it and he says, I'm the elder, I'm the oldest, he's outlasted. All the other apostles are dead, but John is still alive at 93 years old. And he is saying the truth is the most important thing that holds us together. And without the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the church will fall apart. And so as an advanced in age and as the remaining apostle, he speaks to the church and he's speaking to, some believe that he's speaking to an actual woman because women usually open their homes in hospitality and use the house of the church. You know, we didn't have churches like this building until about 300 years later. Everybody met in a church house. Lydia was a church leader. She had one in her house. Peter's mother-in-law, she had one in her house. But what's happening is there's for people who were trying to infiltrate and take away the truth of the gospel and pull people in other directions. And John is saying, we need to celebrate the truth of the gospel. Forty times reminds us that the truth is important. And he says, we need to walk in the truth. It means a progression straight forward that we continue to go on, no matter what's going on in our society, that we live in the truth. There's many different truths in the world. There's a lot of people who believe that they have the truth. But according to the gospel here, we walk in the truth. We have the Ten Commandments. We have the many recipes of which God speaks to us about taking care of our lives and taking care of our part and also our lives. We're getting a bad battery here. And um, when we obey God and we obey his truth, we walk in the way in which he does and we were willing to lay our life down for it. I didn't realize it, but there was actually a chaplain's day on the calendar that was set back in 1948 by Harry Truman. And you know what that calendar was? Is for four chaplains who were on the SS Dorcature in 1943 who had been hit by a torpedo of the Nazis and yet those men who were chaplains, who believed in their faith, gave up their life jackets and died in that cold, icy water and gave their lives for other people. And John is speaking to us, when you believe the truth, you're not afraid to die. You're willing to sacrifice, sacrificial love by your love and that you have this mutual love that truth holds together to the truth and wants the word out. But it needs the truth to hold love together. When we love without the truth, and we try to sometimes compromise and try to do all these things, it disintegrates if it doesn't have the backing of the truth because it breaks it apart. It begins to fall apart and there's nothing solid to hang your love on. And the same thing, the truth needs to be told, but it needs to be done in love and care for people. And when you do tell the truth, let's, folks, let's say it here, that when you tell people the truth, sometimes they're not going to appreciate what you have to say. But that truth is the bond that holds it together. My wife and I have been dickering over whether I should have a gun or not. She knows how absent-minded I am. And I wanted to have a gun, but I respect her because she's got good wisdom. She knows me better than most. And I know there was a time when I had this little guy over here saying, well, if you get a safe and you put it in the trunk and she doesn't know about it, you don't have to worry. No. What happens if she finds out about it? And I was lying to her. What would that do to our relationship? We need the truth that solidifies our relationship. And once she doesn't trust me, or I don't trust her, then what happens is that love will disintegrate. That's what happens in marriages. Many times somebody does an untruthful thing or hides something, and then all of a sudden there's surprise and there's hurt and brokenness, and it disintegrates the very love that it holds together. See, that's why love needs truth, because it, then you can trust. When there's no trust, and you don't have any truth, you'll find that that love will just disintegrate equally. 
And that's why John says to us, not only were we purveyors of the truth, but we're also to percolate the truth in love. How does the, love, how does the truth come out? The truth comes the more and more we love God. The more and more we appreciate him, the more and more we know we can trust him, the more truth we want to know. I rejoice greatly in finding some of you young children walking in the truth. Notice the walk, progressing forward, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to the commandments, which is what? The truth. And that we walk according to the commandments, and this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Now, John here wants us to walk in that truth. He knows that that's the solidifying factor that holds together this trust that comes from love, and that it's genuine. It's not disobedience, it's not deficit, but it's truth. And when you hold it in truth, that love stands form together. And as we walk in love and as we go deeper in our love for Christ, we want to know more truth because we know that truth is the very saving thing that we need and that we want to hold our lives together. And it comes by knowing the truth and then obeying it because we love it and because we love him, because we know he's provided for us. And it's so easy to, to, in our society, we've taken love and watered it down. We've removed the truth from it. And instead, we wind up disintegrating the very love that people want to hear. You see, truth, true love needs truth. And we need a balance with the truth and love. People say to me, oh, love has no boundaries. Are you kidding me? If you don't have boundaries in that love, you're going to find that love's not going to last and it's going to become hurtful. It's going to bring pain. It's going to bring destruction. When we find that there's the boundaries of love that come with the truth, there is a whole different story comes about. I remember reading about a study that they did in California of children. And the children lived in the, and played in the playground at the school. And they were climbing on the fence, even going over it, coming back in. But they were so wanting to expand their life. And, 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 and they went to the edges because they felt safe. As soon as they took down those fences, they found the kids gravitating towards the center because they were afraid. And they weren't willing to risk as much because they didn't feel safe. See, when we feel safe and secure, we're willing to attack the challenges of life. And that comes by knowing the perimeters of love that come with the truth. And love, people miss that in our culture today. And they're losing that. And they're not seeing it. They, they even put up with children's antics. When they, they give them good, solid perimeters, those kids will see how important they are and they'll feel secure that their parent loves them and is concerned with them and they will learn how to have good behavior. You know, this notion of tolerating everything. You know, I know there's a lot of people that I know that are homosexual. I love them. They may not always see it that way, even my friends that are not, but they understand my viewpoint about homosexuality, they, they don't understand I love these people because I'm concerned about their eternity and how they're going to spend it. And that's why I'm so disturbed with the church. The boundaries that God has given, we, we, we're letting them open. We're not giving the truth. We're trying to appease rather than being honest and truly loving. I really love them. Because I'm afraid for their eternal existence. That's why I, I, I worry about this. And I know how that's all interpreted. And that's tragic. But it's because I love them. It's kind of like Elijah. Elijah stood up against 250 Baal prophets. Why did he do it? Because he wanted to have a big name for himself or because he wanted to shoot his mouth? No, because he was worried about the children of Israel where they were going and they were going away from God. He was calling them back. Paul, 
confronted the Judaizers. Why? Because they were pulling them away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying, you're wrong, you're doing wrong by the people of God. They're going to wind up going to hell because they're trusting in their good works rather than trusting in Christ and trusting in the law and fulfilling the law. That's why Paul did because he loved the people. The same thing Jesus said with the Pharisees. He said, you're open tombs. You, you look like white on the outside. Inside, you're a disgusting mess because you're leading people the wrong way. And he was calling them to change because he loved the people and wanted them to know the saving grace that he's going to offer. And so we see the elect lady. John speaks to him. He says, hey, lady, Tell your people not to fall for these people that are coming along with the wrong message. When my mother found out that she had cancer, she had a doctor that she worked with for 25 years in the operating recovery room. And he was, his bedside manner was like zero. But guess what? Guess who she went to when she wanted to find out what was going on inside her? She went to that doctor. You know why? Because he was the best. Best surgeon in the hospital. And he said, Muriel... Flat out, you're going to be dead in six months. But you know what? She appreciated it. Because she knew what she was going to do. She knew what she had to do. And she wanted to make sure all of us knew about the salvation she had and what she was going to do, that she was going to go to heaven to be with Jesus. I'll never forget that call on that Friday morning. And she said that to me. I just, I was stunned. And the doctor was right. And she appreciated him for being honest. I was with a woman this past week. Ran into her at Walmart. I hadn't seen her for a long time. Maybe about two and a half, three years. And she started tearing up. I said, what happened? She said, I found out my husband was living a double life. For the last 14 years, he's been having another gal on his side. And he's been going, in fact... She had a situation that she was given this gift and it, it, it amazed me that it, it was his ex-girlfriend's car that, and she was devastated because he was living a false life. And when it finally came out, she was broken. Here the love and devotion she had for him was broken. Even the children were broken. Because why? Because he refused to live in the truth. And he lived a lie. John speaks to us and says, percolate that love of God so that the truth comes out and you hold on to the truth and you give the truth and love to people. Notice what he says, grace, mercy, and peace comes from the truth and love. So walk in it. He says it five times. He wants us to see that we have a solid foundation for our love. And it's the truth. And that we're to be protectors of the truth. And here's amazing thing what John says. You know, we hear about in the Bible all the time, we hear that, you know, you're supposed to be hospitality, to have hospitality to strangers in the scriptures. Romans tells us that. But he says here, now, you got to understand, they didn't have motels in those days. And these itinerant preachers were walking all around. And they would maybe have family or, or a person would put that person up for a couple of days. And what he finds out, he says, if you find that there are these Gnostic preachers and teachers, don't welcome them in. Don't show them hospitality. Get them out the door. For many deceasers have con, um, gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Christ in the flesh, such as one, the deceiver and the antichrist, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ, they're more progressive, so to speak, and they're leaving Christ behind, does, do, does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring a teaching, this teaching, do not receive them into your house and give him a greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wickedness. 
Here, John is saying, if you welcome them in, you put them up for a night, you're aiding and abetting their untruthfulness and their lies. Don't give them a place to stay. They're part of the Antichrist work. Watch yourselves. They were preaching this self-centeredness rather than the truth of God, which is the agape of love. The reason for their failure is because they've abandoned the truth. Whenever you see somebody who's abandoned the truth, don't let them into your house. Don't affirm what they're saying. And that's how you can do it, by just putting them up for a night. You could be saying that, and you don't want to aid and abet the false teaching. Leave them behind. Don't deviate. The apostle of love, true evangelist, will be, you can have hospitality to love them. In verse 11, the person supports a false teacher is sharing in the teacher's wicked work, John is saying. So politely, disassociate from them. Walk in the truth, not merely following options. No, it's the truth. You see, error has many options. Truth doesn't have options. It's either true or it's not. It's not this world that says to us, well, that may be your truth, but my, no, 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 no. This is transcendent truth that has nothing to do with me. Transcendent and eternal truth is forever. Nobody can change it. No matter how many committees we have, no matter how many votes they have in Washington, D.C., nothing changes that truth. And therefore, everyone is accountable for that truth. And there are people who will try to sneak in. I've had it several times. I had a guy this two weeks ago came in. He said he was a prophet. He said he was a prophet of God. And that I needed to hear his message. And he needed to come into my church and preach his message. Uh, no, we're not doing that. Because I'm responsible to protect this congregation and what they're receiving as food for their spiritual life. I can remember the Moonies trying to break into our church back in the East Coast. And they were a very nice couple. And they were befriending everybody in the church and taking pictures. And of course, they had to have a picture of Pastor Dave. They wanted to be married by Pastor Dave until they found out. But what they were doing is they were trying to get people to think that the Moon Movement was fine and that Protestant ministers like Pastor Dave condoned that. Just by association in one picture. You see, John says, when we don't follow God's truth, we're diminishing our reward in heaven, he says here. That we're diminishing the witness of God, as he says in here. And that we understand that whenever we show hospitality to these false teachers, you are aiding and abetting their message. And you never want to get caught into that. In the year 100, a book was written by the name, it was called Didache. means teaching. And what it did is it laid out, it got to be such a problem in churches that a man wrote this Didache and it says, if a person, an itinerant evangelist stays with you for more than three days, kick him out because he's getting lazy. He needs to move on. And that if he says something to you about he needs money, then really kick him out. It was there to protect. And there were a lot of people running around preaching all kinds of gospels that were false, but doing it for, as Paul said, sordid gain. I had a friend that used to do this in Dodge City. He was in the Air Force. And they were running a radar out in Dodge City. You know what they would do on Friday night? His friend would memorize the sermon. They'd get down at the town hall, town square. People were hanging out. They didn't have TVs and satellites. And he'd start preaching. He'd preach a sermon that he memorized. And that my friend, he would go around and collect money at the end of the plate. And then they'd go, I think he said 30 miles west. There was a nice bar that they would, and they'd drink the, 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 the money that was given to them. You see... This is what Paul, John is saying to protect and not show the hospitality to the person who's treating falsely. And so here, 
John then finally says to us, finally he says, protect the truth, but then there's a personal truth. He says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper or ink. Instead, I would hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete and the children of the Lex sister reach you. What John is saying here is that there comes a point that you need to have face-to-face. We learned that, didn't we, in COVID. When a lot of things were going on and we couldn't have contact, it was hard. People need each other. God knows that we need fellowship in the church. We need each other to support and encourage and deal with each other in our issues. I get that in all our Bible studies that we have. Guys love getting together. People love getting together because we're affirming the truth of God together. And John wants us to know that. They found that with when, they, when the homesteaders came in this country, they made them basically homestead and have each corner of their property. They'd fit in the property where they had four families because they needed each other. Otherwise, they'd find them, they put their house in the middle of the property and they were nuts because they needed the socialization. John here says you need each other to support each other and encourage each other in the truth. And we have to ask ourselves, though, too, in our quiet times of our hearts. We have to ask ourselves, do I really believe the gospel of Jesus Christ so much so that I'll talk about it? In what ways in my life am I guilty of supporting that which is wrong in my life? Have I ever been silenced when evil was being propagated? Have I been slow, slowly, lowering my standards because of what I see on TV or what I watch in my life? Have I been dabbling in falsehood? I really need to speak up for the truth. Is there a relationship in my life that needs to be broken because it's dragging me down? If my friends at church would see me during the week, would they really be embarrassed by the things I say and do? These are questions we can ask ourselves so that we can keep on point with the truth that John says. And John says it because, and and it's because he loves us. And he loves us knowing the Christ. And we must maintain the balance between truth and love. You know, there are ways of approaching the truth with people. And don't be disappointed if they reject you because they still don't want to believe the truth. And they may get angry at you. But you do your part. Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 4, 15. Speak the truth in love. No matter how you soften it, it may not be accepted. But at least you did your part. And that they know the truth. And you did it because you loved them. One of the greatest things we can do is that we can be dispensers of the truth. And hold it up high. Back in 1930, British King George V, who had a speech impediment, was to speak to Britain and America about certain things that were going on in Europe already that were not good. And suddenly in Columbia Radio Studios in New York City, the little electric wire, the cable that was carrying that, broke. And the little engineer that was there took the, and he held it, and he became, it was too short, so he held it together and became basically the arc for that voltage to go through. It didn't kill him, but it was painful. But the message got out. And folks, that's like us. The message of truth needs to get out through us. And there are times we're going to get zapped and people are going to hurt us. But why do we do it? Because we love them. And because Christ loves them. And that truth truly sets them free. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word, the truth. Help us to be people who truly love you and your truth and love other people that we can give them the truth so they can be set free eternally. Help us really to believe that what you say is eternal.
and that your truth can never be broken. And it's through you, Christ, I pray this. Amen. At this time,